What's going on, everybody? This is this week's edition of 48 Minutes, brought to you by 48MinutesNetwork.com. I am, as always, Tim Daniel. Uh, Sean Mackey is not with us this week. He is in Alaska for a couple weeks, having a vacation with his wonderful wife and family. So I had to bring out a cool guest this week. I know it's finals time, but I'm already in draft mode. No Bulls, no Lakers, no LeBron. You know I got to look forward. Um, so I brought on my good friend Chris Connor from the Bird Rights. Uh, Chris and I talk about the New Orleans Pelicans and the whole craziness of David Griffin and Anthony Davis and the number one pick and potentially trading for the additional pick. We're getting into it. It's about 50 minutes of conversation. Um, so I hope you guys tune in, listen to it, and like it. But without further ado, I'm going to stop talking and let you guys listen to the show. Hi, you're listening to 48 Minutes, and this is Tim Kitzrow from NBA Jam. Ooh, boom shakalaka. Chris Connor. How you doing, man? It's been a while since you've been on the 48 Minutes Network. You doing all right? I'm doing fine, man. I'm glad you got me back on, man. Well, you know, I don't. I had to know what it was like to have to root for a team that's basically Thanos right now, that has all everything in their hands. So <laughs> I thought I had to think that was pretty cool. But yeah, so it's cool to have you, man. How you been? Man, I've been wonderful, man. Working, striving, connecting, you know, uh, doing the best that I can to navigate out here, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so Chris is a writer. I know we kind of have it in the introduction of the show. Um, Chris is a writer for the Bird Rights, so he's kind of holding business down there. Can he's our? I guess he's our. You're our Pelicans correspondent, is how we would say it. Um, I don't know. You know, if they ever move the team to Las Vegas or Seattle, you can still be our correspondent if you want to. Don't do be. that, man. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I know. I know. I, I can't imagine what that would be like as a fan of a team, but. Um, so let's kind of start with, um, you know, there's obviously there's a lot to touch on, but let's go back to when we talked in the fall before the season started. And um, your boy, being me, made a really, really, really dumb hot take that like, didn't really mean to be a hot take, where I said once, I said, if you remember, Chris, I said to you, I really think the Pelicans are going to be better even without Rondo and Boogie. Mm-hmm. Um, that wasn't the case this year. It was a rough year. <laughs> Um, but you know, Nico gets traded. There's the whole, you know, obviously this, this, the summary of this show will probably be the Anthony Davis thing and then the, in the pick. Um, but you know, Drew Holiday has some time he misses. Um, Julius Randle had a little bit of an up and down year, but overall, when you look at the season, what, what do you, what, how do you feel coming out of the season before things got better? Obviously before things got better. Okay. So I like to. I'm big on highs and lows. So sure. So for me, watching the season unfold, I think everybody, um, because if we can go back here, going into the season, a lot of people had high expectations. Unless you were close to the team and you knew that you knew some of the things behind the scenes about Anthony may, maybe being upset about a Rondo being gone, about a Boogie being gone versus kind of running it back and what translated into those first four games where they were playing exceptional basketball, starting off 4-0 and and looking like, you know, they were just going to pick right back up where they left off at at the end of that playoff run from uh, a year ago. But as it started to fall down and, you know, the, the writing became, or the writing was slowly coming on the wall and you saw that more than likely this was going to end uh, and n- nowhere close to the way that it did it a year ago, there wasn't going to be a you know a a happy ending, so to speak, for a lot of the players around, over the coaching, GM, so on and so forth. There was supposed to be a clean house uh, effect, basically, if you will. Um, but if you've been watching the team, you've been following the team, you've been following the franchise. You know, I think that was always in the back of your head that you know you were prepared for this day you were prepared for the day in which okay well ad's leaving and not to be negative or anything along those lines but there was some missteps in correspondence to how the team was able to build around him 
the bad luck with injuries, the dedication to a medical staff that ended up changing, which may or may not have had a lot to do with some of the injuries, um, and just the complete dedication to the basketball franchise. So it wasn't really, I, I can't say many people should have been shocked why the, you know, it unfolding the way that it did, the, some of the details that were involved and how it played out from the way that, uh, that, that Anthony ha handled the trade request, Dell Dempsey's, well, Dell Dempsey's, uh, him, the way that he was involved and soon, uh, shown the door, uh, Rich Paul, Magic Johnson, LeBron, I mean, the, all those things that ended up coming in was were a little bit a, a little bit surprising. I thought it would be uh, a, a lot more quiet if it got to that point. But man, I mean, once it once it was there, once we got past the trade deadline, it was more so. All right, when is the trade happening? When is it time to move forward? What's next? That was pretty much it. I was over the heartbreak. I was over the the headaches. I think everybody just wanted a new start, you know. Um, and boy, did they get one, huh? Yeah, no kidding. So let me ask you, when you first heard the report that Magic Johnson offered 85% of the Lakers roster and the next <laughs> six years of draft picks, was there a party that was saying to get like, if, like if you were talking to Gail Benson, you would have been like, take the damn deal. Like, even if we get rid of those guys, we have like 45 years of draft picks. You know, I think in the moment there, you kind of, anticipation is, is getting, it's getting the best of you, right? You know, you're right. also... And you're also very, very anxious during the moment. So part of you is like, all right, let's just get this thing over with. Let's get this drama out of the way. Because, I mean, you know, having to – my thought was after he had uh, – after the trade deadline, if he wasn't gone, he wasn't going to be – he wasn't going to step on the floor or on New Orleans Pelicans floor um, unless right. he was an opponent ever again, I thought that they would be, they, they would send him home. They would take the fine. That was my thinking. I thought there was no way that you would be looking at that drama and distraction that presented itself with him returning, playing a twenty minutes a game, not playing back to back. It just was weird. I didn't see that happening. Um, so yeah, I mean, a lot of a lot of people, including myself, I mean, it was it was worth the thought. But the issue behind that, um, and, I mean, and and now you can. It's kind of, you know, the Brandon Ingram uh, issue kind of or health health issue kind of throws a different wrench into it. But at the time, the reports and the circus around Lonzo Ball, that kind of was was in the way. I think without that, that may have been something that was very interesting. I, if you if you ask around and you really sit down and push the fillers to the side, the Lakers have a nice amount of, of assets there to throw. At New Orleans, mm -hmm. so it was definitely worth it. Now, at the time, you're you're wondering, well, what's going to happen with Boston? Are they really going to be all in? What other teams are going to be interested? You just, you know, you're not knowing everything that you know now. You're not knowing that David Griffin's going to be in the fold. So yes, I mean to answer your question, very much. Because I took a long time to get back to it. Yeah, I mean, part of me was ready to just get it over with because you're not receiving that bad of a package. I think the deal breaker and the biggest issue for me and, and, and those involved was you didn't want to move too soon. You wanted to wait to where you had to after the lottery where you knew exactly where you stood, how the draft picks would fall. And again, with Lonzo Ball being a question mark, you not wanting to ship out one disgruntled star for another disgruntled player that comes with a lot of um, a lot of background noise. It's just that was the last thing that the team needed. So I. I could kind of understand why they waited, but man, I mean, part of me did want to just go ahead and get it over with, get it, get them out of here. Let's move forward. Let's restart this thing. Let's rebuild a, you know, a new era. Man, I was laughing at like a lot of the reports of like who could offer what and this and that. And like the Celtics part where they would be like, Jalen Brown's not on the table for a trade for like Kawhi Leonard and this. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, <laughs> you know, like, the, the way, like, because Danny Ainge is like, we'll go all in to get Anthony Davis. But if you want to trade Jalen Brown for Kawhi Leonard when he's available, no, no, we're not going to do that. Like, we literally, so we were doing our team preview shortly after we talked with you, our other show, Shot Callers. They had um, Nicole Yang from the Boston Globe when we were previewing the Celtics. And they asked her about the potential trading for Anthony Davis. This is before anything comes out. Yeah. And um, she literally said, she's like, I have heard from multiple people within the organization that Anthony Davis is the one guy the Celtics will go all in for 
And like, then you hear like, well, they don't really want to get rid of Jason Tatum. And it's like, why the hell would you not want to get rid of Jason Tatum for Anthony Davis? Like if you, if like Dell Demps called me tomorrow, I was like, Hey, just give me Tatum Brown and a couple draft picks. Like there's no way Danny Ainge is going to be like, no, nah, I'm cool. <laughs> you know, what's weird about that whole situation is that my, from my perspective, the thought or what I saw Boston had been doing for basically ever since the big three had, had, had ended there. Every, yeah. ever since they traded for that, for that robbery of assets that, that they received from the nets, my thought process was you're building and you're acquiring all these assets, all of this talent to end up trading, to get you a star, to get you another superstar or one or two. Like that's the point of you getting all of these all of these pieces, right? To package them and to get the superstar that you don't have currently right now. And it just feel it, it felt like every time Boston had that opportunity, we saw it with Jimmy Butler, we saw it with Paul George, you saw mm-hmm. it with Kawhi, you saw it with I mean any any star that was available that was out there, it was the same thing. Ah, we want we're not trading this guy. Uh, when I trade this guy, when I trade this guy, it's like, well, what the hell have you been saving for? You finally, right. like, yeah. you're finally here. You have the money to go out and sign, and especially the year in which they got Gordon Hayward. And, and, and okay, it worked, right? They ended up uh, trading Isaiah Thomas and Jay Crowder and, and company for for Kyrie Irving, but that wasn't like, that was right. that was by accident, right? I mean, that wasn't yeah. supposed to happen, right? That wasn't their mindset when they were thinking about what we were saving up for. You had heard the DeMarcus Cousins of the world, the Paul Georges, uh, you know, I mean, a bunch of different guys of that, Russell Westbrook over time, a bunch of, and Anthony Davis from years ago, right? So it's just been odd watching them kind of play that game for all this time. Ah, you know, we're going to trade. Nah, you know, we're not, we're not giving up this guy. And now they're in a very interesting situation that, well, that they've, you can say that they put themselves in or that just fate ended up bringing or in their faces. Um, now you're, you're in a spot where Kyrie might leave you, you know, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, those same, those same shiny assets that you were holding on to. They, they don't look as great as they did say a year ago when you were in the Eastern conference finals, a game away from getting to the NBA finals. Um, now they might be forced to, if they want AD to end up trading for him, but, Who's going to be there with him? Uh, it's just its funny how this thing ends up working uh, right. over time. Yeah, and you mentioned how it happened on accident. The accident was the fact that the Phoenix Suns told the Cavaliers they didn't want to give up Josh Jackson to get Kyrie Irving. I forget about that. <laughs> and a team that's still looking for a point guard. Man, I, I forget about that because they were, man, I mean, they were shopping. I, Yo, that did almost happen. Yeah, yeah, that did almost happen. Oh, that I, did. I kept, I kept trying to think. I was like, I know Kyrie didn't get, he didn't get traded to Boston out of nowhere. I know it was another deal that was in the works. I forgot about that, man. That's a really good. Uh, wow. Yeah. Kyrie in Phoenix, huh? Yeah, it would have been something, right? Yeah. So let me ask you. Um, you, you mentioned the weirdness of like the 20 minutes a game thing with Anthony Davis where he would like just totally didn't make sense. Um, you know, obviously like the, the, the stuff comes out and then I know you probably don't want to talk about Anthony Davis for a while. I get it, but like you can't you, avoid it. Right. Then like the whole like 20 minutes a game thing. And then the all-star game, he has that press conference where he like goes and he says to the matter of like, well, when I am traded, I make, I'm going to make sure I give out a newspaper ad like everyone else. Like, was there a point when you were like, dude, just stop talking. Like that's Man. like the shirt, the last game. And he's like, I don't even, pick, I don't even pick out my clothes. It's like, just, just stop. Was, was there a point with you? And you're like, just stop talking. Just, that, just, just stop. That, I mean, man, those, those episodes had to be some of the weirdest, uh, examples of uh of representation i have seen uh in my lifetime when it comes to situations like this when it comes to a superstar or a player wanting out and an agency trying to make that happen from the way he handled it from the way i mean there's so many things about this situation that it's weird it's funny it's irritating right <laughs> because this is the funny part and this is why like I was on uh I was on the radio uh, about a week ago and I was just saying it's kind of weird how 
now like Anthony Davis being traded is it's almost like an afterthought when you look at everything else that New Orleans has done in the offseason. It's like, oh yeah, you know, well, they got David Griffin, they got Trajan Langdon, they got Aaron Nelson, the running medical staff, they got Zion. Oh yeah, and they, they're gonna trade uh Anthony in about a month or so. Oh yeah, I forgot that's about to happen. Like it's weird. Or, you know, he'll stay for a year, whatever the case is. It's just it's 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 so weird that we're here now, right? Because when it went out and I remember it was a Monday. I remember it like yesterday. It was a I Monday morning. I woke up at like six AM and you know, I was I was ready for it, but I wasn't ready for it because he was hurt, he was injured at the time. But just to read that, you know, you're like, man, I, I just you know, the woe stamp. And I'm like, <laughs> man, I, I I could not, you know, it took me it took me a little bit. And I said, All right, you know, we're here. And he had everybody's support, man. He had every pretty much support, man. He had every pretty much everybody's support. There were a few of like he didn't develop his game in the way that people really believe him to. He wasn't a leader, so on and so forth. And you have some there's some validity some validity to that. However, um the franchise failed him in a lot of different ways. They just did. There's no there's there's not really many excuses that you can put forward to cover that up and I think everybody was fine then we're looking at like what 10 days before the trade deadline reports come out well now it might be a power play to get him to LA um you know and now you know we've we we've gone from okay well we feel sorry for you now it's like wait a minute like you know we know you want to you want to go uh, but you're gonna you're gonna force their hand for them to send you to a particular team. Oh, no, it's not gonna work. It's not gonna work that way. And then he waited four days after the news came out. He didn't speak to the media until Thursday and was offended by the fact that he even had to talk. And through the rest of the week, all of his other teammates are speaking for him. And you see him in the background just shooting around playing basketball. Mm-hmm. While Drew Holiday is like, "Yep, man, I don't know, you know." AD, you know, he's the reason I, I resigned back here, man. And AD's in the background shooting layups. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Like, why are you not up here speaking about it? Why are you having your teammates and your coaches who don't know what the hell is going on speak speak for you right now? Um, so after that situation kind of worked itself out, the Pelicans feel like tampering's going involved. They don't want to end up making this thing happen. We're not we're – not, We'll trade him, but we're not trading him to LA. There's leverage, a whole bunch of leaks and stuff coming out. Um, we get to All Star Weekend, what you're talking about, and he does a complete. I, I, I mean, it, it's like, I, I mean, I don't believe it. Like Rich Paul went from we are gonna send you to LA to you know what we kind of created a mess here. Let's just say you're open to all to all yes. 29 <laughs> other teams. Forget well, the fact what, your dad texts ESPN and said you don't want to play for the Celtics. You clear right. You clearly it clearly just was a report that came out yesterday. He said you didn't want to come to Boston. Your dad was just on TV. Was just on the radio saying, <laughs> "I probably yeah doesn't seem like a place that he really wants to be at." I mean, you got all this other stuff coming out, and you gonna stand in front of a camera on a on a national stage and say something like that? Like, what's the point, man? At that point, just be quiet. Because that's who he is, and and that's the that's the weird thing about it. Him talking so openly about this situation, something else I've never seen before. Before a guy is traded, AD doesn't. He's not a real talkative guy, man. He's a passive individual. He'd rather someone else take the stage, which is why he liked or loved Rondo and Boogie being being his teammates because they would end up doing most of the talking. They would be the ones uh, doing the things that he just didn't want to really do. He just wanted to play basketball, you know. Um, and if someone else was more assertive more assertive during the equation he was perfectly fine with it um so to see him just volunteering things that nobody asked for you know uh doing all this stuff that's out of character leaving the game, um leaving the game early and then or i'm sorry when the when the team his first home game back after the after the all-star break he got booed uh for the most part and he was surprised about it. He was hurt. I'm like, what you expect him to do? You thought you were going to get a, a standing ovation? Yeah. You, you, just, you just told the city, I don't want to be here. You said, I want to go to a winner. And the teams you named in regards to wanting to go to haven't won shit just as long as the Pelicans have. In, in fact, the Pelicans have made it to the postseason in the past six years more than the both teams than you wanted to go to. Whether, well, that you said you would consider resigning with or you would resign with L.A. and New York. You know, so it's not adding up. 
Um, all he had to do was go in there. If you want, if you're gonna let your agent speak and say, "I want to trade," or "My client wants to trade," he's not gonna resign with you guys. We're letting you know early. You're being a good guy by doing that. That's perfectly fine. People will understand. Don't say a word after that. I don't want to speak about it. I'm not. I'm not talking about it to the offseason. You'd have been perfectly fine. And Dell Dimps, uh, Dell Dimps would have been fired uh, a lot, probably earlier than than he got fired. Um, after the the uh, All Star break, or I think right before it started, whenever. No, I'm sorry. It was the the last game before the All Star break. Um, and then everybody could have could have been all right. Everybody would have accepted their fate, and we would have been good. And hell, he might he might have been a Laker by now, you know. Um, right. So he, he doesn't know what he did in regards to hurting himself, man. I mean, no, they handled that situation so wrong. Yeah, he, they definitely did. Um, you know, like you said, it was definitely a ploy to get to Los Angeles, and it did not go the way they wanted to. It still could go the way they wanted to. It might just not be the Los Angeles that they want. But that's where this part comes in, man. So um, I know, obviously, you're stoked to talk about the other part of this this scenario, but I do want to get to Griff. Hmm. Um, There's very few guys that you can bring into your franchise that just legitimize your franchise. You know what I mean? Like, Griff is one of those guys. You can say, you know, I know he never really pulled off a superstar trade in Cleveland, but every move he made for that three-year run when they were like in the when they were in the finals was the right move. Um, getting Channing Frye and Richard Jefferson, getting J.R. Smith and Amon Shumpert for nothing, you know, getting Channing Frye, getting you know signing Kevin Love uh, to it to it, you know, keeping him going after the first year, like and you know keeping LeBron going and everything he did, like he hit on all cylinders in that run with Cleveland. They just so happened to play the juggernaut that was the Warriors. So you now you got you have this situation. I'm sure for you, being a guy who follows a franchise who has had a lot has had success, they've been in the playoffs, they've had great players come and go through the door. You now have that guy who really knows how to bring a team together and make the cap work. And obviously you have, you know, this beautiful number one overall pick in your hands right now. Um, so what's that like now knowing that David Griffin's the guy in New Orleans? Well, I think what's even better and bigger than that, Tim, is, you know, Dave, bringing in David Griffin, the authority that you gave him, it just, it shows a different level of, um, of effort and dedication to basketball in the city. I don't, a lot of people that don't really know New Orleans, that don't know how New Orleans sports really works. If you, if you don't know, it's all about the Saints, Okay. And granted, they've been there for 50 years and, and some change. That's what makes sense. The Pelicans, or when they arrived, the Hornets, they, they didn't come to New Orleans until 2002. So they haven't been there that long. But during that time, um, there wasn't a lot. There wasn't the same amount of energy put into the Pelicans that you saw with the Saints. It just wasn't. The medical staffs were, were botched. The marketing was lazy. You know the amount of money that they put into the training facilities and so many other different different parts of a of a basketball organization or a business to make a business successful. Um, ownership just didn't get into, and that ended up that created a domino effect or a trickle down effect all the way down to some of the performances that you saw on the floor, shy of you know two three seasons of them being really successful and looking like uh, a force. But yeah, man. I mean, David signing that, bringing in David Griffin was one thing. But when you listen to the press conference and him saying stuff like, you know, I made some outrageous, some outrageous demands that Gail Benson, the the owner of the of the Pelicans, uh, completely agreed with. And at the time, we didn't know what those outrageous demands were. But you look at something, one it may be small to you know to 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 some franchises but having your own and i mean a competent medical staff is very important it's one reason people all veterans always want to go to phoenix you know because they found ways to help with rehab and prevent injuries better than almost any other franchise in the nba the pelicans were able one of the first things david griffin did was go and sign one of his buddies from phoenix aaron nelson to run the medical staff huge um, he's established a level of organization 
and a and a hierarchy throughout the city. Well, I mean, throughout the franchise that the team just hasn't seen. Hell, Mickey Loomis was the vice president of basketball operations. If you don't know who that is, he's the general manager of the New Orleans Saints, a football guy. Why is he running the basketball team? You know, now he ended up trickling all of that, all of that down to Dale Demps. You know, but it's obvious that maybe he had too much on his plate at once. I don't think Dale Demps is a bad basketball mind. I just think he was in a rough situation, and he did the best that he could do with it. It didn't work out. But David Griffin has brought respect. He's brought uh, he, he's brought success. He brings experience, um, and he's showing he's showing the city and people that are watching the team what it looks like to be in a respected or what a respected basketball uh, front office should look like. And you can only believe that that's gonna go down to what you see on the floor, the players, the coaching staff. You know, they're adding um, the owner, uh, Gail Benson has. She's dedicated, I believe, over over eight million dollars to the training staff, and I think that's only where it's where it's starting. I mean, but there was there was a thought that Danny Ferry would be the general manager at one point. I don't. Most people believe that that was her first choice. That was who the Pelicans initially wanted. It couldn't have it it it, it couldn't have ended better than it did with Griffin. I mean, he's brought so much so much class. Uh, he's a cool. Uh, he seems like a cool dude. Smooth talker. He knows what he wants. He's very clear, and his expectations. Of uh, I mean, it just it brings, um, it brings a level of uh, after just a weird, shaky, tense season. You know, he's the the cool side of the pillow to kind of transition into what this team and this franchise really wants to do versus just being a stepchild of uh new orleans sports and uh when there's david griffin around apparently there's luck chris so <laughs> that brings us to lottery night and um as you know from our first talks uh the team i root for is in your home city so i had a little bit of high hopes that we would at least be you know a top four team in the lottery no didn't happen um, partly because of your beloved New Orleans Pelicans, partly because of the Los Angeles Lakers. So let's go. Let's go through lottery night, man. So the Pelicans right now, they're they're, uh, kind of in that mid lottery mm-hmm. is where they're where they're where they're slotted at the time. So moment for moment, what was the lottery like for you as you saw them climbing up, climbing and climbing and climbing? Getting number one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's my thought. No way in hell they get number one after every. After everything that, that that they had that had happened, because hell, I mean, I, I figured just being in the top four was was uh, a success. Uh, they were they were slated to be in that six seven area. Just being in the top four was a success. And really, the biggest thing, or what most people were concerned about, or what I was concerned about, because I wasn't thinking about the number one pick. I wasn't thinking about the Pelicans getting the number one pick. My thought right. was the Lakers, the Knicks, possibly the Celtics. One of those teams or a team that is in the running or that will be interested in Anthony Davis's services will end up with that number one pick, and the Pelicans will fall somewhere around there. Because the goal is the Pelicans more than likely, or in my head, they, they weren't going to get it, okay? And I, I'm looking at, okay, it's – but you got to – the Knicks have better odds. That's what you want. Reports that just came mm-hmm. out earlier in that day that you know the Knicks would be focused and all in on trading that pick for or trading Zion to get the services of Anthony Davis. I think Wolves came out before, right before the draft lottery, and said that that wouldn't be the case. But the rumors were out there. You would 100% assume if the Lakers would have got the number one pick, they were trading Zion for AD in a heartbeat to finally make it happen, and that would have been all types of ironic. Um, you know, you have, and then you, you have other teams like, uh, you know, the Bulls. Would they possibly make a make a back to his hometown and take a flyer on? Him? I mean, you got a bunch of different scenarios that were that were thrown around. But through it all, my mind was on find a way to get John ja Morant, find a way to get somewhere positioned to get John ja Morant because Zion's a long shot for your own pick. It, once it continues to go, you you know you get in that top four and you're surrounded by, you're surrounded by New York, you're surrounded by L.A. 
Like, man, it's no way. It's no way the Pelicans are coming out this group. One of those one of those markets, LA and New York, are gonna have their number one overall pick. It's no way around it. It won't be Memphis and New Orleans. And when it's all said and done, it's New Orleans number one, Memphis number two. I couldn't I couldn't believe it that that's that that's how this how this season had ended or how this uh how this month was going to play and how this offseason was gonna end up turning for New Orleans that um I thought that they would have a chance of trading Anthony Davis to get him, but now I mean, whatever you get, uh, getting getting Zion alone is a is a hell of a is a hell of a win, you know. So now whatever you trade Anthony Davis for, if that's the route that it ends up going, which I'm, which it feels like, it's just a cherry on top. It doesn't put as much pressure on you now to get that trade right. You need to, you should, because you know you don't want to get in a situation or put Zion in a, the same spot you had Anthony in to where. Uh, you're stunting his development by putting ill fits around him, but man, I, I, I don't think words can explain. I mean, it's 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 not it's not something that you believe. It's not something that you are expecting. You're expecting something to go wrong, not for them to land the number one overall pick. It's crazy, man. So I can relate, um, in a sense. Maybe not, you know, the most sought after prospect in a decade per se. But when the Bulls won the Derrick Rose lottery, you know, they were a long shot. I'm sure you remember. They were I do. like, I do. Yeah. Yeah. They were like supposed to be the bottom of the lottery mm-hmm. and they won. And that's when I thought it was fixed, but I wasn't <laughs> sad about it. Um, but man, so now you know, now you're aware, you feel comfortable. Um, Zion Williamson coming to New Orleans. I'm sure you, like all of us who paid attention, um, who had teams that were going to be in the lottery, paid attention to him. What what was kind of your moment when you were like, okay, I know this guy's going to be special? Um, I think the the tournament game against against Wake Forest. Oh no 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 no! I'm sorry. Uh, uh, UCF Central Florida. Yeah yeah, yeah 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 Central Florida. I think same colors. Yeah, yeah same colors. I always get them confused. Um, but yeah, against Central Florida, I think that's what did it for me. You know, I. I and I, I still have my questions about about Zion um, in regards to what position he's going to play and how his wow from an athletic perspective he's top notch. I know he's a very intelligent player. He has a feel for the game, the team first type of guy, and you know he seems to have a hell of a, a hell of a motor about him that's gonna that's gonna translate. And and his body, I mean, uh, it's been talked about since you know he gained he. he played his first game in Duke that if he entered the league, he'd be the, the second strongest player in the league or the second heaviest player in basketball under, under Bobine. Right. So, yeah, but that game against, against central Florida, you know, that wasn't a game that they were supposed to win. And he took that game, you know, uh, making plays on the offensive glass, knocking down a few jump shots, taking them off the dribble, making plays on defense. Like, you know, he, he pretty much took over that game and watching Duke earlier in the season, trying to fill out each other. Okay. Well, all right. Are you, you go ahead and take the shot. It's, a, it's the end of the game here. It's your, it's your turn. Okay. All right. Well, you don't want it. Cam Reddish. Listen, man, here, it's on you. You go ahead and take it. You know, and Zion just kind of stood out the way, you know, and watch and watch his guys, his friends end up making, Bad decisions, bad shots, and losing them games. I, I I can remember the Gonzaga game early in the year being one of my biggest headaches. Like, man, Zion's going to really piss me off. This is what he's going to be. Like, you're the best player on this team. Why are you allowing them to continue to take shot after shot after shot after shot to lose you this game? Take the ball, spread out the floor, and win the game. But um, UCF was the first was one of the first times that I watched him just, just take over a game from a – from start to finish, he finished. I mean, his his numbers were great. Um, he had some he had some wonderful some wonderful plays, and uh, you know he's always gonna gonna make you uh, he's he's always gonna make you jump out of your seat. But for him to show that level of aggression, a closer's type of instinct late, and say, okay, this is my game to win. We're in the biggest game of our you know of our season. I'm not letting us lose. And they were still lucky to get by in, in the way that they did. But it was good to see him play that way. And at that point, I was like, okay, this guy, I mean, he's, you know, he, he has it all. And no matter what the hell, you know, he does, I mean, he's the, I'll, undoubtedly 
the best prospect that we've seen in a very long time. But mentally, I wanted to know where he was at, and that game kind of proved it to me. So it's kind of funny that we're at the point with Zion Williamson where we're more wondering what shoe company he's going to sign with than like what he's going to be in the NBA. Yeah. And he hasn't played a game yet. Like it's it's it has that like that LeBron feel when LeBron is going through that in in a sense. Not to compare them as players by any means. I know that's it's too, totally unfair to compare a player to LeBron James. Yeah. Um, did you go on Jersey Cave? Yeah, I don't know if you saw Jersey Cave. The legit website has made Zion New Orleans jerseys already. Have you ordered yeah, yours yet? Yeah, I, I have not, but I but I have seen them sent out yet. I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna <laughs> wait for them to officially come out. I'm trying to. Uh, I'm, gonna, I'm with you. Trying to give me a Mardi Gras one. So I went to the NFL draft in Chicago a couple years ago. This was the Jared Goff Carson Wentz draft. Yeah. And like Eagles fans, the the day like the day of the draft before it even happens, are already wearing Wentz jerseys, and I'm like scared for them i'm like what if this doesn't like i know what the reports are like what if they change their mind what are you gonna do and i was like oh god you guys are confident people sure enough it worked out but like yeah. I, I i just have that fear that like i would order one and then like they'd be like the orleans pelicans select john moran i'd be like oh what the, what am i gonna do with this now right you know what i mean right. yeah um so let me ask you this you know now that they're like everything's kind of the dust is settling and the Anthony Davis thing is still around and what's going to happen. We know it's not the Lakers. We know they're basically saying there's no way the Lakers get Anthony Davis. Are you for the idea of trading? Because we know Memphis is going to take Ja. So are you for the idea of trading Anthony Davis and getting that third pick and potentially reuniting the Duke kids? Uh, I think if you're looking to favor, to favor Zion right away in his development and um, giving him somebody that he knows, I mean, his best friend right off the bat, I think it would be a nice gesture. Uh, and that's not to say R.J. Barrett isn't, isn't a hell of a talent. And I, I also think R.J. Barrett getting a chance to not have the, having the pressure of being the guy or having uh, that type of scope on him right away of being some sort of a, of a franchise savior right away, him being mm-hmm. able to kind of just, you know, I don't want to say hide, but kind of stand in the shadows in New Orleans, I think would be would be good for him because I don't think he's I don't think he's that guy. Like, let's say let's say things fell apart for New York. Right. Let's say KD goes to the Clippers. Right. And Kyrie says, well, I'm not going to New York alone. Uh, I'm going to go to L.A. Or I'm going to go back to Boston. And R.J. Barrett is sitting there by himself. I think that would be a terrible situation for him. Yes, it would. Right. I just don't think he's that he's that guy. Why? While I think he has you know, talent of that, that, that deserves that slot that he's going to be picked at. I just don't believe that he's going to be that kind of basketball player. Uh, I think him being in a complimentary type type setting and having the, the opportunity to be in, in a secondary type role would be really good for him. And not even just from a basketball perspective, because of course nobody's going to just give him the ball like the Hawks gave Trey Young the ball necessarily, right? But... um I don't think I think if he's in a situation where Zion is uh, your teammate, you know, people aren't going to be criticizing. You're not going to be under the same the same amount of level of, of scrutiny than you would be if you were, of course, in the market of New York, but in the team structure of New York or any other team that expecting you to come in and be a superstar. Um so I get it from that perspective. I think it will work. That's probably the best case for for RJ and for uh, uh, Zion from a a personality perspective. But man, I I, I don't. Um, that's not the Knicks package. Isn't my favorite of Rick. Oh wait, do we still? Uh oh, we're kind of we're kind of like what the four now. We're like the four lotteries, the lottery selections. I'm sorry, man. We broke up just a little bit then. <laughs> okay, bad. you're good. No, yeah, so, no, but, no, you're good. No, but um, no, I I think um, if I'm making a trade for well, if I'm trading Anthony Davis, I I don't think that the Knicks the Knicks package is as interesting, or at least to me, as say with the Nets, what the Celtics might be able to offer. And hell, I mean, if the Lakers can bring a third team into the fold, I think that they get even more interesting. If Brandon Ingram was upright, it would be a whole different story if if he didn't have the the Chris Bot the Chris Bosch blood clot situation. I think he'd be 
that trade becomes more and more interesting, especially now with what you have with Zion. But um, yeah, I mean, I wouldn't mind it, but with you kind of still being in on Drew Holiday, I think breaking in two 19 year olds, it's kind of, kind of sends a mixed, a mixed message. And, you know, I think this team is going to want to be in a situation where they can compete right away, where they don't have to hold the hand of anybody. Zion's ready to play right now. I don't know if RJ can give you that same level of production. Um, so, yeah, I mean, if the plan is to trade Drew Holiday in another, another offseason, so on and so forth, I say go for it. But if that's not the case and you're looking to try to make the best of his remaining prime years in Drew Holiday, you know, um, you might want to go, I would say, for more of a, of a young veteran. Shout out to Del Demps or, you know, a, uh, an, an older group, and whether that be Boston, Brooklyn, maybe the Clippers, depending on what that package looks like, so on and so forth. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you, man. Um, I, I think... I would like to see it, but I I agree with you. I think um I think RJ would have a really tough time like going to New York, going to LA. Like I think I don't I don't think there's any way in hell whether it's the Pelicans, whether it's the Wizards. I don't think the Lakers keep that pick at all. Um, I really believe like I don't think they might make the selection, but they also might trade the guy. Like if they're not going to get Anthony Davis, I believe they really will put all their chips in for Bradley Beal. And I so like in that case like. RJ Barrett with John Wall? That sounds awful. Like there's like these situations for RJ Barrett, none of them sound good. You know, like Norland sounds good in the sense of like you said, sure he'll be with Zion, but there's also Drew Holiday to be the two where he can be the three. Or like maybe he drops to Atlanta and you know, like they which I don't think he's dropping to Atlanta by any means. Um and they get like Jackson Hayes and him and they have Trey Young and they start their young core with like Kevin Herter and guys like that, but like that guy, man, I feel bad for him because he gets shit on a lot for Duke's season, and really he was a lot better than he's getting credit for. Uh, but that's neither here nor there. Um, let me get your thoughts on this before we get out of here. Um, obviously, it's NBA Finals time, um, albeit our beloved teams probably aren't going to be stiffing the finals for a little while. Yours closer than mine. You're going to have Zion Williamson. <laughs> um, but how how do you feel this Toronto Golden State series is going to going to play out? I've said that I think Golden State wins in five. Kyle from Shot Caller says he thinks Golden State wins in seven. Interesting, interesting. I, I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm right in between you guys at six. Part of me doesn't feel like Kevin Durant is going to come back. Like, part, mm. part of me does not feel like he's going to come back. Um, now. There's a good there's a good possibility. I, I mean, I guess what I'm saying is I feel like that injury is more severe than Golden State is letting the world onto or letting them know. Um, mm-hmm. Now I know the reports have come out that he more than likely won't play early early in the in the finals or early in the series. But man, you know, in the last series of the year, the NBA Finals, having to on the role that Steph Curry is on right now, the role that Draymond is on. I, I really wonder what fitting two alpha males, two amazing talents like DeMarcus Cousins and Kevin Durant could do to what this team is doing. Because Steph is playing the best. I mean, he's back to being MVP yes. stuff, right? Yes, he and, is. And, you know, if you – I think a lot of people, you know, have mentioned that they're a little bit less – they're a little bit less predictable when Kevin Durant is off the floor. It doesn't mean that they're any easier to beat, but they're less predictable. The ball moves more. You see, you know, guys are are a lot more into the game versus just just standing around. It's just a different team. Um, now, I think Toronto Kawhi's on a hell of a run. I don't know what's I don't know game to game who else is going to show up. You know, in these right. games, I don't know if Siakam is going to bring it. Is going to bring it every night. I don't know if he's dropping twenty and ten, or you know, if he's going to finish the game with with 10 points. I don't know if Marcus Gasol is going to play 40 minutes or you're going to be looking at Serge Ibaka. And, and, and while Serge in the game, he's going to be doing, you would assume from a matchup perspective, especially without without Boogie, um, 
you're going to see a lot more of Ibaka to kind of keep up with the, the quickness and the up and down pace that Golden State wants to play for matchup purposes. And, and then you got Kyle Lowry, you know, um, he had a, he had a really good series uh, against, um, against Milwaukee. Can he, can he keep it up? I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. I just, I just remember that they had home court advantage. I guess that's huge. Right. Um, yeah. But one of the biggest elements in this series to me is that without, without Kevin Durant and one of my guys in the bird rights pointed out to me, it makes hundred percent sense. I don't think Golden State has an answer for Kawhi Leonard. And we know this already because we kind of saw this happen before, right? You know, we saw this before Kawhi's last healthy year with San Antonio. We watched him in a game one throughout throughout his matchups with Golden State just destroy them. And I remember that game in Golden State before the the sprained ankle uh, via Zaza Pachulia. They were on their way to upsetting Golden State in Golden State and maybe really making that series interesting. And then things ended up getting changed all around. But I don't think they have an answer for Kawhi. And depending on what you feel about this Toronto team, I think that they're a little bit more talented than that than that Spurs team was at, at that time. Um, I just I just don't know if all of those guys are going to be able to show up from game to game like – I believe Golden State will, and man, I mean, with the role that they're on, the 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 rhythm that Draymond has going, I don't know how how if KD does come back, and like I said, part of me, I I, I really don't think I, I wouldn't be surprised if he does not return. I don't know how fitting them back in. Let's say it's like Game Four, and you got to just you know put them back in and kind of reshuffle things, get them back into shape, get them back into a rhythm. What that might do for for the morale of the team and what they're trying to do. Um, I'm going with I'm going with Golden State because I I trust their experience and what they have on that floor a little bit more than Toronto. But man, mm-hmm. I mean, I Kawhi's having a phenomenal postseason, you know. Um, and I can see him. I mean, by himself, he's gonna carry them to two games. And if they can if they can mess around and get it back to Toronto for Game Seven, you know, I mean, I don't think I want to see Drake again personally. so i talked about this uh we talked about this last night when we did our finals preview um i honestly don't have an issue with the drake stuff because i think about it like this so for you guys for new orleans let's say the pelicans run this run the raptors are are you again seeing wheezy at courtside well no man because Lil one isn't really he isn't really a pelicans fan man he you know wayne is you know we gotta we gotta get a different a different ambassador Birdman? for the city. Can we go Birdman? We could, we could do we could do Birdman. We could do Birdman. But you know, Wayne uh, Wayne a little different, man. You know, he made the song about Kobe. He's a Packers fan. Like Wayne ain't really oh, you, you know he, he's not really a Pelicans fan. Bad example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're right. But I mean if it's a <laughs> on my go ahead. Okay, and then on my end, what if it's chance? Are we gonna be bad if like the Bulls are on this run and chance is courtside, are we gonna have an issues with well, that? No, because I don't think people find chance as annoying as they find Drake. <laughs> Drake has been annoying in sports for like the past ten years. Like he's 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 been he's been doing this for a while now. You know, it's just something about Drake in athletics that just bothers people. Maybe it goes back to his days being Jimmy and uh, DeGrassi, but I I don't know, man. It's something something about him that just that just bothers the hell out of people. Uh, maybe it's the energy that cross, like you know this this aggression that people just don't believe or take serious. Um. I think yeah, I think somebody like Chance. I mean, you know, you might laugh a little bit more if it, if it comes from him. Um, and I can't imagine Birdman acting anyway. Birdman, <laughs> outside of rubbing his hands together, what else is Birdman really gonna do? <laughs> you know? So I yeah, but, I mean, if we could just get like the whole like Cash Money Records crew just to have a row, that'd be dope. I think I'm down for. I'm down for that'd that. Like I'm all that'd in. Be, that that'd be dope. They they need to do stuff like that. I mean, because like you know, juvenile Manny Fresh. They've been like when the when the Pelicans were even playoffs last year. They had performances and they were at the games and it was wonderful. It, it was great to see them. Yeah, to see them. But they sat there and enjoyed the game. But n- neither of them, uh, like they they're not they're not ambassadors for the team. So they're, they're not sitting they're not sitting courtside and 
you know, pestering the players and so on. Like, you know, Drake's a Drake's a superstar, man. You know, he's the one one of the biggest the biggest artists in the in the world. Um I I think a, a good comparison in regards to wondering what might be or or, or somebody that could be close to from from just a pestering perspective, probably maybe like Kevin Hart in Philly, you know, Snoop in Snoop. L.A. Snoop's a big yeah, Laker guy. Yeah, yeah, but again, like he's not he's not gonna bother people. Kevin Hart might, you know, <laughs> Kevin Hart yeah. just to be just to be annoying. I don't know what Travis Scott might do in Houston. I see him like courtside. Um, I'm trying to. I'm that makes me wonder. Like, I try to figure out why the hell Gucci Man was at this damn this Milwaukee game. This could be a pot in and of itself. We just put like hip hop stars with like who would we want sitting courtside of basketball games? Like I think that would be a See, fun I, show. I'd like I'd like I like two chains. When two chains goes to you know the Hawks game, it's pretty chill, you know. Yeah, uh, it is. Uh, so I mean, chance like yeah, chance stepped up Derrick Rose, but not any of the Bulls. <laughs> I mean, that's his that's his guy, man. They come from you know yeah, they, respect yeah, they come from similar parts of the city, man. So it's a different level. It's a different level of uh, respect and love there, man. Absolutely. All right. Well, Chris, before we go further in this topic here, man, uh, obviously I really appreciate when you give us some time to kind of talk about the Pelicans and give us kind of the state of the mind of New Orleans fans. Um, before we get you out of here, though, as we always do, give you a chance to promote yourself, shout out your, your Twitter, any of your social media, where we can find any of your work. Uh, take the floor, my guy. Uh, so, as always, you can find me on Twitter at ImpatientBull. Uh, you can find all of my work at thebirdrights.com. That's the bird W-R-I-T-S.com. Uh, we got stuff coming out on the site daily. I'm putting together some, uh, uh, very, very shortly here. I think I'm probably put out, put out two pieces. I'm gonna put out a, a, a highlight tape with Drew Holiday. And the second one is going to be a, you know, I'm really I'm really getting getting kind of annoyed and drained with the people that want Anthony Davis to return, you know, and don't really have reason outside of his talent and what they think could be. Um, and I'm kind of, I'm going to put together, a, you know, a piece saying why it's okay to let him go, you know, why it's okay for New Orleans to move on. And, um, you know, you shouldn't be sad about it. Yeah. Well, when you do, send it my way. We'll obviously promote it on the 48 Minutes yeah. Twitter. I'll promote it on my Twitter. So, I got you. Oh, man, I appreciate it as always, Tim. Um, yeah, man. So, uh, I mean, we're we going to make this like a every, you know, an every year type thing. Or maybe or maybe next year. Oh, hell yeah, we're going to so make this. Maybe next year when the, Pelicans, when the Pelicans get the first pick again, we could, or they, you know, they, <laughs> they sign LeBron or some crazy shit and we can do this all over again. I'm down. I'm down. We'll call it, it'll be this magic moment too. <laughs> Sound like a winner, man. Yeah. Yeah. All right, Chris, man. Thanks again for everything. Appreciate you. All right, man. No problem.